3: We're reviewing week six, looking forward to week seven and helping you to manage your fantasy teams on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz. This is Rotoviz Radio brought to you by my bookie. I'm joined by Matthew Friedman, Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. And Matt, when three, all three of your starting wide receivers exit the game before the first half, that is a tough recipe uh, in which to win games. As a result, My father in law's team, which I am managing, is now at one and five. He's returned from Spain and he is very disappointed.
1: In all fairness, I don't think that's the only reason why that team is one and five, but fair, (laughs) fair, uh, fair point.
3: Oh, man. You know, it's, it it is such a tough game some weeks. Things started off. I had Sanu, Calvin Ridley, Cooper Cup in the lineup. I thought, you, you know, like, my other players were doing well. I thought we were going to get to two and four, and uh, everything just went to crap. So, a disappointing week for me. Uh, how have you been doing this season? We'll take a quick check in. Uh,
1: it's been okay. Um, dynasty team is still doing pretty well. Uh, actually, two dynasty teams, but the one with friends from high school, and then one uh, for RotoViz. Um, both of those teams are doing well. Uh, other leagues, not quite as well. Like the redraft leagues. Um, I mean, okay, but like middle of the pack. So, you know.
3: yeah. This actually, I think for me, is one of the better seasons that I've had in a while because I did continue to go largely, other than that team we just talked about, uh, Zero running back. And I got a lot of guys like Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams. Uh, and and I think if you had a configuration and I have a lot of Adam Thielen as well, if you have those guys, you're probably doing pretty well. So obviously we'll talk about, um, you know, all of those results as the season continues probably a, a lot more once it's done. But I do think it's been a pretty decent year for zero running back teams. Uh, let's just get right into it though. We will start off with the little Lebowski urban overachievers.
2: They're the little Lebowski Urban Achievers.
3: A player that I talked about during the summer that I thought was going to get significant targets for the Dolphins taking over that short yardage Jarvis Landry type of role, Albert Wilson. Boy, did he have a day yesterday. Nine targets, six receptions, 155 yards, two touchdowns, 33 points. If you looked at this offense, it looked like there was room for another receiver to step up. Clearly, it was Wilson this weekend. uh, First of all, is this a shocking performance for you from a guy like Wilson? Given that Brock Osweiler was in the lineup, and do you think when Tannehill returns, this is the type of thing that we can expect going forward?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it it was shocking, and that one you wouldn't have expected, or I didn't expect the offense to look good with Tannehill there. I'm uh, sorry, with uh with Brock Osweiler there, right? Um, so it's shocking in that vein, and then it's also shocking in that um why I, I should say it's not so. Wilson, I think like what is going to happen in that offense, like, cause he already had a, a previous week, uh, I believe three weeks ago where he had like two touchdowns. Um, like he has these blow up game, uh, like he has blow up game potential. So I think in any given game, it's unlikely he has a game like this, but I think like every fifth or sixth game, it's possible he could have a game like this because I think out of the. Uh, Out of the non Jakeem Grant players, like he's the one who is the most explosive. So I think he has like the best combination on that team of having like legit receiver skills uh, and the ability to turn uh, short passes or short touches into long touchdowns. So, um, it's, it's surprising that it happened with Osweiler. It's surprising that it happened against the Bears. It's not surprising that a game like this happens with him every once in a while.
3: Yeah. So it was week three against uh the Raiders. He actually took a short pass 74 yards and found the end zone, put it 21 points that week, 14 in week two, we've seen a couple of games uh, uh from him where he's not getting into the highest totals. I think the good thing for Wilson, if he wants to carry this forward, they do have Detroit Houston and the jets coming up, which uh in terms of points allowed, they've been very forgiving to wide receivers. I think that I more or less agree with you. I don't think that Wilson, uh, just if you look at the target volume that he's had, is going to be able to consistently put up 15 point types of weeks, but they definitely uh, will come at some points. And given what we've seen from Kenny Stills, who's been a bit of a disappointment, uh, he's one of the more established players that they have in that offensive attack right now. Another wide receiver that I think really came into nowhere this week, uh, his entire offense did, and that was Cole Beasley. 11 targets, 9 receptions, and one yards two touchdowns and 31 points on the Jacksonville Jaguars defense this raises a couple of questions one can Beasley be a fantasy contributor going forward and how much of an anomaly was this game because I have not been impressed with the Cowboys at all this season I do believe you're a Cowboys fan though so you might have been a little bit more in tune with what could happen in this game than I am
1: yeah, I'm. I mean, I, I okay. So in the Road of His Dynasty League, uh, I I have a team with uh, Pete Overzet and Beasley oh, is on our team. I mean, it's it's a strong yep. team. Beasley is on our team. We never start him. Like you know, you can't drop him just because it's a really deep league um and yep. he has some value. But like, we never start him. He's never even in consideration. Uh, and I think basically whatever type of league you're in, he's one of those guys that has to be rostered, but should never be in a starting lineup. Um, mm-hmm. in part just because he has, I mean, I know I'm saying this like right after he's coming off of like a nine reception, hundred yard, two touchdown game, but he has like a really low ceiling. Um, just because of the type of receiver he is and the offense in which he operates. Now, um, this wasn't entirely it's this I mean this was surprising but it wasn't entirely yeah. unexpected in that uh you would have expected that facing Jacksonville which this might sound weird they have sort of like a slot funnel um in their pass defense and that they are so strong on the outside with Ramsey and Boye uh and yet they're missing their starting slot corner so they're starting like uh, a backup slot corner um you do attack them in the middle of the field. Like that is where you should attack them. So it's not surprising that out of all the Dallas receivers, Beasley was heavily targeted. Um, It's just kind of surprising that the offense was so good that he was able to get a decent number of those targets (laughs) close to the end zone where he could really turn them into high leverage points. So it's, it's surprising. It's just, it's not, it's not entirely surprising that he led the team in opportunities But I don't think they're going to be in great situations moving forward. So he's not someone I'm really interested in.
3: Yeah, that's an interesting point on um, how the Cowboys were able to use him. Because if you just look at uh, the points given up to wide receivers prior to this game from Beasley yesterday, OBJ had 22, Chris Hogan had 19, Sammy Watkins 14, Tyreek Hill 13, and it starts to trickle off quickly. So this was a very, very significant performance from him. Um, but I, like you said, I think he's one of these guys that you're going to have to keep on a roster. And if you find yourself in a very tough spot, you use him. He's still not a weekly play. And I don't think we should be fooled by this uh performance into thinking that all of a sudden the Cowboys have a good offense. Uh Latavius Murray, we've been waiting for a Vikings running back to have a game. It finally manifested 155 yards on 24 carries, one touchdown, two targets for three yards, 23 total points for Murray. Good chance. I would say that Cook... Continues to struggle um, with injuries, leaving Murray to be the guy there. I think that we're going to start to see um, a bit of a change in the way that that offense is operating and that they're not going to be so pass heavy as they were. So I thought this was a pretty uh, encouraging performance for Murray.
1: Yeah. And entering the game, he had pretty significant um, splits with Dalvin Cook and without Dalvin Cook. And then he was going against the team that was allowing um, the most or maybe like the second or third most fantasy points in the league uh, to this point in the season, two running backs. So it was like an excellent situation for him to be in. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah.
3: So actually, I think heading into the week, um, Arizona was 29 in points allowed to running backs, just pure points allowed to the position. So uh, it finally came together for him, uh, which I, I think is encouraging for a lot of zero running back teams that might have had to rely on him this week moving to the opposite end of the spectrum george costanza slackers of the week
4: listen let me ask you a question could you um, expand the space underneath the desk you know give it a little more uh, headroom
3: okay deon
4: lewis five
3: rushes nine yards two targets two wrecks five yards 3.4 points we have not seen too much from Lewis since the beginning of the week, really not a whole lot from Derrick Henry. And what a dumpster fire uh, this was of a performance from the Titans yesterday. Very, very odd team this season. Do you see any hope at this point for any of the players in that offense?
1: Yeah, um, I think a lot of it was just a really tough matchup. Uh, I think Baltimore's defense is one of the best in the league. Um, They started out strong, and I think they're just getting stronger uh, in that they've gotten Jimmy Smith back. Um, you know, the past defense is really starting to coalesce. And then, uh, part of it is probably the offensive line for the Titans, which used to be better than it, you know, is now, but just got totally exposed. Uh, I think this game is something of an anomaly just in terms of how, how poorly, uh, the Titans defense performed. I don't think it's going to be really good moving forward, but it, it should be better than this. Uh, with, you know, some games against defenses that aren't all that good. So I think there will be spots in which, uh, Lewis has opportunities, Derrick Henry has opportunities, and especially Corey Davis, like he's still like the target guy on that team. Um, so I'm not like losing hope. Um, I'm not going to want to start these guys on a weekly basis. I think they're, they're more matchup dependent.
3: I think that's kind of where I am with Lewis. I own him in a number of leagues and I was hoping going into the season, he'd be the type of guy you could start every week. Uh, But it's going to be at this point uh, based somewhat on what I need from the rest of my team and also the matchup. He finds himself in Jarvis Landry, nine targets, two catches, 11 yards, uh, 3.1 points. Now, clearly you can point to the fact that the nine targets, that's still good but do you think that any of this could have to do with the switch to Baker Mayfield and perhaps he and Landry having trouble connecting or are you not going to read into this performance that much?
1: I'm not going to read into it too much. The the usage matters much more. Um so 10 targets, 10 targets, 9 targets and Mayfield's three starts. Um that's sufficient. He was getting targeted more. Um in the the previous games with Tyrod Taylor, But uh, I think he's still getting enough usage where you just kind of ignore this and focus on the fact that he did get uh, nine targets. Although it is maybe slightly um, alarming that he didn't get as many targets as Njoku. And I believe he also didn't get as many targets as Antonio Callaway. So that would be like the one thing that I would maybe point to. um, But that's more of a usage thing as opposed to the way in which he was uh, actually able to convert his targets into production.
3: Right. I believe Antonio Callaway had ten targets yesterday, but I think even if you do see high numbers for the other receivers, that's fine because I, I think it's gonna take something pretty monumental for Landry's targets to really shrink substantially. Uh and you know, we've seen time and time again, he's the player, you give him enough volume, he's definitely going to produce for you. So I wouldn't panic at all if I'm a Landry owner. Jared Cook, I just kind of wanted to uh, include him here, just had three points, two targets, two catches, 10 yards, because it's funny that, you know, this type of performance for Cook really is surprising, but boy, oh boy, uh, trouble in that organization in Oakland, huh? Yeah, uh,
1: what what happens in London stays in London, um, so like, <laughs> I, I don't, I mean, it's, it's hard to know, really, with that offense, um, Amari Cooper was injured early in the game, So maybe a little more defensive attention was shifted to Jared Cook. Um, Carr just wasn't throwing the ball downfield. I don't know if you saw like the the next gen stats, um, like printout of his like target distribution, where he basically he attempted. uh, I think all of out of all of his passes, I think only two traveled more than ten yards down the field. Like it was (laughs) just it's bad. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think cook is the primary target guy in a really bad offense. Um, and I think in bad offenses, sometimes the guys who get targets more often still don't get consistent targets. So I think it it could be ugly for cook going forward. I still think that out of all the pass catchers, he's probably the one that you want exposure to.
3: I think that makes sense. And especially for tight end, you know, a game like this certainly can happen. And it was just a bad game for his team overall. Uh, So, you know, perhaps he's not putting up these 30 point performances going forward, but I think that in terms of what cook is, he will be fine. Quick reminder here. A lot, a lot, a lot of work goes into producing all of the shows on this network. There's so much work behind the scenes Don't be a freeloader. If you listen to us and you listen to the shows on this network every week, please go to patreon.com forward slash rotoviz, sign up, get access to some cool live shows that we do other content, and more than anything, help us make sure that we continue to grow this network, expand the shows, and continue to just bring you uh, what I really do believe is a tremendous product week in and week out. And of course, uh, if you haven't done so, you need to go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast and make use of that 30% off discount. The Joe Davola crazy stat of the week.
4: And it's crazy Joe Divol. This is from that kick from that crazy Joe D'Avola. Yeah. Oh, crazy Joe DeVola? What guy. Uh
3: what crazy Joe Divola? Crazy Joe Divola. Oh okay, I-, I could not come up with anything too exciting this week, but we will point out that Dak Prescott scored more points than Deshaun Watson, Jared Goff, and Philip Rivers combined. Key fact here. He put up, I believe, 82 yards on the ground and had a touchdown. Matt, do you think that that type of rushing production is something that could become a more significant part of Prescott's game going forward this season? Because you know, even if he can get half of that, that's a very nice four point bonus to have each week.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you mentioned it: 82 rushing yards, one touchdown. Uh, he had 11 rushing attempts, which obviously is a high for him for the season. Yeah. Um. Before that, he had been averaging 4.6 per game. I think that's much closer to what we should expect to see. Like maybe he bumps up to around eight per game, but that still feels pretty aggressive uh, just like kind of from a projection standpoint. Um yeah. So I think he will, I think they, they want him to run more um because it opens up even more for the passing game and he is an efficient runner. So uh yeah, I think they might want him to run a little bit more, but I think like maybe around six attempts per game as opposed to eleven.
3: Right, I, I guess this performance did give some hope that if you're in dire straits, you could start to consider him as a streamer. Maybe opens up one more guy that you can consider using each week. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he had
1: 183 uh, 183 yards uh, passing, which I mean, granted, he was going against a tough defense, but like that's just that's bad and that's like uh, yeah pretty par for what he's been doing to this point in the season
3: players trending up uh jaylen richard i want to mention there's nothing major uh that he's done recently but he is averaging six and a half targets per game since week three with nearly 11 fantasy points I think that you very realistically could be in a league or two where a player like Richard is available. And I think for a running back, those 6.5 targets can be really useful. Uh, So he is a guy to keep your eye on. Austin Hooper had 17 points last week, then 22 fantasy points this week. That's with 22 targets over 70, uh, 70 yards per game the last two weeks, and obviously had the touchdown yesterday. I will say this though, you start to look at some of the strength of schedule metrics that I I look at each week. And I think that things start to get much more difficult for Hooper. Uh, The Falcons have been in the position these last two weeks to kind of be in shootout games. So I'm not expecting uh, to be able to trot Hooper out there going forward. Do you have a different take on it, Matt?
1: Yeah. So uh, two things. One on Jalen Rashard. There's yep. this this guy um, who DMs me uh, on on Twitter, uh, you know, asking kind of about fantasy advice stuff, and like we're we're yep. friendly, um, uh, you know, definitely. Uh, I, I'll, I'll send him messages back about like, oh, you know, maybe pick up this guy over this guy. Anyway, yep. Uh, and I should just blanket statement say uh, other people definitely should not be DMing me, asking me questions. Correct. That that's just for this guy. So uh, Correct. anyway. Jalen Rashard is a guy early in the season that he was like, you know, I could really see Rashard getting significant targets (laughs) this year, Um, you know, because uh, the offense sucks. So they could be in positions where they really need to use a receiving back and he is the best receiving back. And like on the one hand, I could definitely see this guy's perspective and how he was probably right on the other hand I thought even if this guy is right I'm still never going to want to have to start him in a lineup but like I'm looking at Richard and like each week he's getting significant targets and enough yards and at some point if that happens he's going to start scoring touchdowns too so it's just the situation where I'm like damn it like he's basically kind of becoming like uh Duke Johnson you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's kind yeah. of the function that he's playing right now. So, uh, anyway, like, I don't know if that's good enough to start, but like, it's, it's something you have to pay attention to with Austin Hooper. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head with, uh, looking at the past two weeks and it's not, I think just that they've been in situations to throw the ball. They've been going against literally the two teams that up to this point have been the worst in the league at defending right. tight ends. So it was just like perfect situation for Austin Hooper. Um, um, after this i i don't know but it's it's not good uh like like it's not a great situation relative right. to what he's just had
3: well and, and also too you have to remember that yesterday uh sinu and ridley were banged up early so that probably gave him a couple more targets than he may have seen otherwise yeah, i i think point. he did score the touchdown a little bit earlier on but but, but the, yeah i mean the larger takeaway here is uh you kind of have to consider that this was in more or less a vacuum the last two weeks. So I think we're on the same page there. I mean actually one more uh, thing.
1: The Giants yeah. they're they have really bad linebackers. So it could be another week, like one more week where Austin Hooper is able to get pretty significant production.
3: Yep. Okay. Um yeah, we'll we'll see. But uh the larger thing here is if you do have Hooper now, I think you need to start coming up with a contingency plan to move off of him. And to your point about the people direct messaging you If you really want a fantasy analyst or somebody out there that spends a lot of time doing this to give you a solid answer, just come follow us on Patreon. Check out the, the live show on Sunday. If you sign up for Patreon, you can even email me directly and I will give you a thought-out answer because uh, yeah. I think that that's the way it should work in this industry and hopefully it's something that we start trending more towards. Yeah.
1: So this guy, like, he works for a hedge fund. So he gives me financial okay. advice and I give him really shitty fantasy football advice. <laughs> I'm definitely on the winning side of that.
3: Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um. Geez, maybe I need to let this guy uh, send me some messages. No,
1: I'm not telling you his name. Okay.
3: <laughs> All right. Uh Friend of math, if you're listening at Dave Cabin FF, come get some real advice. <laughs> uh, David Njoku with Mayfield, 10 targets, 13 targets and 19 or excuse me, 10 points, 13 points, 19 points in the last three weeks, 10 targets per game over 50 yards in all. We kind of alluded to this earlier, but it looks like the transition to Mayfield has really worked out nicely for Njoku.
1: Yeah, Um the breakout is coming. Uh, Just based on like the the physical profile, 21 year old first rounder, like at some point the breakout is happening. And like, look at Ebron, like that was, that was the guy uh, kind of before Njoku who fit that profile of really young, super athletic first round tight end. Um, What Njoku has going for him uh, is that he has a better quarterback um, and is in a system um, relative to what Ebron had years ago. Uh, and then Mayfield, like this, this is like very narrative based, but like Mayfield last year, like his number one receiver was a tight end. It was like Mark Andrews. So like, I think he's just sort of like in this capacity. It wasn't just last year, like his number one kind of like red zone short yardage guy for three years was Mark Andrews at Oklahoma. So he's in this situation where maybe he's just sort of like kind of reverting back to what he did in college focusing on the tight end and unjoku is like a very good version of Mark Andrews. Um, not as good of a blocker, but so I I think it's like a, a, I don't know. I think it's something that's sustainable. Like I I think he's going to continue to be targeted heavily and to get yardage. And, uh, he finally scored a touchdown last week. Uh, I think he has significant red zone potential.
3: Absolutely. And and I'm at player profile or player profiler right now. He's, Best comp on the site is Travis Kelsey, uh, 464 four, 40 yard dash. 80th percentile speed score. His burst score is off the charts. 97th percentile, 81st in agility, 93rd in catch radius. The profile is all there. And as you talked about, his age is something that you have to pay attention to. Uh, as you talked about, you look at the age curve for tight end. It takes a lot of guys many, many years. Some players as much as like five, six, seven years to really get into, you know, capacity to be an NFL tight end. And we're already seeing those signs from Joku. And it's great seeing him with that young quarterback. I think that, uh, in, in dynasty right now, he has to be one of the Titans that you're more excited about. So I think that this is all, uh, trending very positively for Njoku. Uh, and as somebody that has him in a couple of leagues, I'm expecting big things from him on the opposite end of the spectrum, three players on the decline, Jordan Howard in the last two weeks, just two and a half points followed by five yesterday, 12 and a half attempts per game, one target it looks like the Bears have realized that it should be uh, Cohen's backfield and that's the direction they're going.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of weird. Uh, I think Cohen is a change of pace player. Uh, I think Howard should be getting much more usage.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of things that Cohen can do, but it does seem odd to me that you're not going to try to bounce them back and forth a little bit more and get Howard a little bit more involved. Now, perhaps if uh, Brock Osweiler hadn't come out looking like <laughs> looking like he was just going to uh, chop through that defense, maybe they would have used Howard a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, you at, at the me- same
1: time, yep. sorry. Uh, we are talking about a guy who three weeks ago didn't get many touches simply because the game was out of hand. So they didn't need him. And then uh, two weeks ago was on buy. And then last week, uh, didn't have great production, but still had 15 opportunities in the game. And he's gotten, with the exception of the, the blowout, he's gotten 15 opportunities in every game this season. So I think he's still someone you want if you're in a league and someone's just kind of looking to get rid of him because they're sort of disillusioned. They're like, oh, I haven't gotten the production out of him in the past month that I've wanted. Uh, I think he's a trade target.
3: Well, according to somebody in my, in my league, um I should be trading Devonte Adams for him. Well, that's uh, trash. Which seems which seems a little far fetched <laughs> right. to me. Yeah. Corey Davis uh just 3.4 points yesterday. You talked about him earlier. The targets have dro- have dropped just six and four in the last two weeks given how the Titans looked yesterday. I know we touched upon this, but I don't know if you want to expand on your take as to why uh, people shouldn't give up on Davis.
1: Yeah. He's just getting a lot of targets and he's a talented guy who is, you know, in a first rounder. He's in his second year now. Um, Yeah. I mean, you, you don't trade away guys or drop guys who are getting significant target share and he's easily still the number one receiver on his team.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of things that you don't want to forget about. And it goes back to, as we say, each and every week, are you going to be able to find a player that has the potential and a lot of these attributes like Davis? And I don't think that you are. If we're talking about a player like Kenny Stills at this point uh, and you want to drop him, that's fine. Uh, but a guy like Corey Davis, I think you need to hold on to. Carlos Hyde, after the 24 points against the Jets in week three, he's been trending down, went 14, 10 in just three yesterday. Uh, Hugh Jackson has said that they need to get Chubb more involved. Uh they've said that now a couple of weeks and it hasn't really come to fruition. Are you concerned about Hyde?
1: Uh I mean, no, not really because he still got 14 touches last week and um most games before that he was getting around like 20 touches per game. So, I'm I'm still not worried. It was just hugely negative game script. Um this upcoming week they're playing Tampa Bay you know, I think that's a a great situation for him. Tampa Bay has a really bad defense.
3: Yeah. um, I um, I, I wouldn't worry too much, you know, at at this point, uh, as you said, the opportunities have been there. I won't believe that they're really going to, you know, phase him out or anything like that for trouble till we start to see it come. Uh, So, I I mean, you know, if you have Hyde, maybe you take a week off of him. I still think though that uh, if, he was on some of my teams, he would probably find his way into my flex. He
1: had, he has 14, uh, touches this year inside the 10 yard line. Uh, and that's, that's huge. Yeah. And I I think that's just carries. He might have a target inside the 10 too, although I'm, I'm not sure about that. Um, but yeah, he's, he's getting so much usage inside the 10 yard line, like top five in the league usage. So I think you continue to run him out there because he always has a chance to score a touchdown.
3: Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Matt, how did, uh, your, uh, um, fantasy props on, uh, my bookie go this weekend?
1: They were okay. Not great, but okay. I, <laughs> nice. I didn't, I didn't lose the house. So it's all good.
3: Yeah. Um, I did, I did all right this weekend. There was one call, uh, that I wish that I had made that I didn't, but the great thing is every Sunday it's, as as Matt has said before, the best part of the week is Sunday morning. You fire up the laptop, you get on the mobile app, and you look up those fantasy over unders. There's always a couple of intriguing ones for me, uh, and it adds just an, another element to your sunday. So, uh whether you're an expert or or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. Uh if you like to bet a little and win a lot, like playing numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay, pick three teams to win and if you hit all three, you could turn $100 into 600. There's just a lot to bet on. Playoffs right now in baseball, hockey's coming up, uh primetime fights, but my bookie is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. We trust them. They've been in business for years. They get great reviews. Uh, as I mentioned, I like their mobile site. It's really easy to use to get your bets in. Uh, if you're on the sidelines, now is the time to get in the game. My bookie will still match your first deposit dollar for dollar, but make sure that you get in before that gets pulled. Log on to my bookie right now and double your money. Use the promo code RotoViz and you'll get your first deposit matched 100%. That's promo code RotoViz. And at uh, my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid.
2: This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn.
3: All right, so let's look at some of these upcoming schedules. Top three units with favorable upcoming schedules Arizona has Denver, who's 28, San Francisco, 24, then a bye, Casey, 29. I think that we're at the point now where we're really going to start to see David Johnson come back. This schedule sets up nicely for him. I think that there have been some positive indicators. If you are thinking about maybe making a move to go out and get Johnson, I think that the time to do it would be now, and if you're a Johnson owner, uh, you have some games on the horizon that should work out nicely for you. The Dolphins wide receivers have Detroit this upcoming weekend, which kind of like a moderate matchup, according to my numbers. But then they have Houston, who's 30, the Jets 24th and Green Bay 22. Obviously, uh, that number could change depending on tonight's game. But Jakeem Grant, who we talked about before, perhaps if stills got dropped, if Wilson is still available, uh, you got to start looking at these guys. And then as we talked about David Njoku earlier, he gets Tampa Bay, who ranks 32, Pitt, who's 30 in Kansas City, 31 in the next three weeks. How many points is he going to score,
1: Matt?
3: Yeah. A hundred. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I really, well, I mean, yeah, I would be a little bit surprised to average 33, but I think he very easily could score 70 points over the next three weeks.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, 40, maybe 40. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean
3: yeah, I it's Tampa Bay Pitt, and KC. Yeah. Yeah. He's anyways, he's going to absolutely ball out. Uh, we mentioned the Patriots running backs a couple of times. Uh, earlier in the season, but their schedule is flipping. They actually now have one of the most difficult upcoming schedules with the Bears next week in rank 10, Buffalo 15, Green Bay 9, and then Tennessee 14. Uh, but it does, or that's after they play Detroit this weekend, but it doesn't really matter at all, right? I mean, James White, Sony Michelle, they're still going to kill it. They should be in lineups no matter what I think.
1: Yeah, I agree, especially because um, they're both in an offense that is so good and is going to score points. Uh, and then, um, they play at a fast pace. So they're going to get extra opportunities. And, uh, I know it sounds weird to say like, there are only two of them. Cause it's like, Oh, neither one is really the workhorse, but, um, they're used in different ways. And it really helps that there's not a third guy like, like Burkhead right. to come in and steal a little bit of target share from James White, uh, some carries and goal line opportunities from Sony, Michelle, Both of those guys function in different ways and they both totally own their roles. So yeah, I think you still start them if you have them.
3: Yeah, and the awesome thing with White, you'll may have noticed, uh, last night, sometimes he'll line up as a receiver and then Brady checks him down and he moves into that running back slot. So like they just do a lot of cool things with white. Um, I expect him and Michelle to have a great, uh, rest of the season, the Indianapolis wide receivers. You're probably going to want to stay away from, uh, they have Buffalo this upcoming weekend, then Oakland, uh, with Doyle out and Hilton out. Uh, there's been room for other players to kind of step up, but they do have tough tough matchups and then uh after this week the detroit running backs are are in for a rough go of it they have miami this weekend is 31 but then seattle 13 minnesota 8 chicago 10 so perhaps um if you've been hoping to get one of their running backs in the mix you might have to look elsewhere all right matt your number one waiver priority for week seven who you got
1: oh yeah it's uh yeah it's everyone's favorite part of the show um, definitely the most useful part of the show. Absolutely. What's funny is like, I, I don't want to say Jalen Rashard, so I'm not going to, but, <laughs> but he's out there in some leagues and he should be <laughs> rostered. Um, but I, I'm going to say the guy I said last week, I think I said him like Frank Gore, like he's out there. I'm looking at uh Yahoo ownership. Now he's owned in only 10% of leagues. He is like, if not the lead back in Miami, like he's getting just as much usage as Kenyon Drake um I, I mean he's old, you don't think he's good anymore, but he got carries last week. he's continuing to play a significant number of snaps um he should be rostered. I think he's startable uh you know especially during the bye weeks um yep. I think he's startable. he should definitely be rostered.
3: Listen. Do the man a favor. His dying wish is to get picked up on your fantasy <laughs> team from one last go of it. Yeah. So, so pick him
1: up. Actually, one more. Geronimo Allison is out there in about fifty percent of Yahoo leagues. Um, you know, people have just dropped him because he's been out. And he's injured. Um, you know, there was there was concern earlier in the year, uh, because Rogers was injured. So. I understand kind of why maybe some people would have dropped him, um, but when he's playing, he's like the clear number three, and I would say like maybe even number two ahead of Cobb at this point, point. and there's always the possibility of Cobb getting injured again and not playing, uh, the same with Adams, like there are just so many so many avenues through which Geronimo Allison could have value. So he definitely should be rostered and that he's in only 47% of leagues for Yahoo, I think is kind of ridiculous.
3: Geronimo is definitely a a guy worth heavily considering if he's out there. Uh, He should be owned in more leagues than that. So those are two, uh, two good ones, Matt, this week. Fantasy games of the upcoming week, not the most exciting slate of games that we've seen so far. <laughs> I had to go with uh, Kansas City versus Cincinnati, I guess would be the fantasy game of the upcoming week. Um, and then if I was forced to pick two, oh God, this is so ugly. Jacksonville versus Houston. I, I don't know. Did you see any other games on the slate that look interesting?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you definitely hit it there uh, with Cincinnati uh, in Kansas city, that's easily the uh, highest scoring game on the slate. Um, and then Monday night football, uh, and we might touch on this later, but Monday night football, uh, giants at Falcons, that looks like that will be a pretty high scoring game. Um, so yeah, those, those two are the most interesting to me. And then, um, I don't know. I think Browns at Buccaneers could also be pretty good. Um, because the, the Browns they're inconsistent Uh, and so I think, you know, they, they can be scored upon like the Raiders who suck scored a lot of points against the Browns defense. Like it is possible. Um, and then the Buccaneers, their defense is just woeful and obviously they have a good offense. The Browns offense I think is better than it has appeared the past couple of weeks. So I I think that could be a high scoring game as well.
3: Okay. Yeah. I I think that those are uh, fair ones to bring up. So maybe there's a little bit more than I was, uh, anticipating the tough call. How do you determine if you're going to start a quarterback like make like uh, Baker Mayfield, for example, that will face the Bucks, as opposed to a Rivers or Stafford type? So it, it kind of sounds like the person's getting at um, playing a guy that maybe you have a little bit of an idea of what you can get, somewhat of a floor, maybe doesn't have the best matchup versus going for the upside. How do you approach that, Matt?
1: That's interesting. Uh, and I think Also, part of what might go into this question is looking at matchups, like looking at the defense, which like, I mean, I think we've had conversations or it's been, you know, tearing up Twitter, like do defenses matter? Um, I I mean, have I talked before on here about my perspective on defenses or no? We've talked about
3: about how like, you know, you normally view the matchups on the extremes. I guess it might be a little bit different at quarterback than it is with uh, the positional Spots like running back, wide receiver, tight end.
1: Maybe I mean anyway. So I, I think it. I think it matters in in certain instances. Um, yeah, I think in a situation like this. So let's say if it's uh, like Rivers or Stafford, um, and those two guys are actually kind of interesting as the comparison. But anyway, let's let's say sort of like average-ish, yep. decent um, quarterbacks versus someone like Mayfield who has potential. But is still like very unproven and inconsistent going against a defense that is horrible. Um, I would probably go for that. Um, going against the defense that is horrible, uh, especially if it's someone who has upside versus someone like Rivers or Stafford, uh, who I think have their own inherent upside anyway, just because they, yeah. they throw a lot. So you can, like, regardless of matchup. And like either of those guys has the opportunity each game to have a really big performance. Um, but I think Mayfield does too. Those younger guys still have a lot of potential and he's going against a team that's horrible. So I don't know. I, I still pay attention to matchups in the extreme. Um, and there's no defense right now that is more generous or much more generous uh, to to passing offenses than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
3: Right. So for me, it comes down to some of the things we talked about before. What does your team need? If I really need a lot of points, I feel like to win that week, then I'm going to go with that Mayfield option. Uh, if I, if I think that it could be a tough matchup, uh, I'm probably going to go with the Mayfield side as well. Uh, because I think that with quarterback, it's a little bit easier to anticipate what a matchup might mean than with the other positions and when you see that there's a quarterback that's going against a defense that has been letting up so many big performances you go that avenue because even if it doesn't work out odds are you're probably going to get 11 13 points which at the end of the day maybe only be like five six seven points less than what you would get with that safer if you will option um but only if you're really identifying it in cases where there's a very clear and established pattern that the defense that you're facing is that porous. Um, so that's kind of how I approach it. Again, you know, it really depends on the context of the situation that you're in. But I would say that the other thing that you'll find when you're looking at quarterbacks, even if you take a guy like a Mayfield or an unproven quarterback at this point, and you stack up their points each week next to an established player like Rivers or Stafford, you'd be surprised at how often they end up going 50-50 on who wins the week. Broncos fans cheered when Chad Kelly entered the game. Is this Keenum's fault, his struggles, the Broncos' struggles, or are they just a bad team?
1: Uh, I think it's all of the above. I mean, you know, Keenum's had one good year, And then surrounding that, uh, we have what looks like or what is shaping up to be a fairly subpar season this year. And then before that, we had a string of subpar performances. So he's, you know, he's very inconsistent. Uh, And then on top of that, um, the team is not good. Uh, They have some players there, but they don't have a good play caller. And uh, yeah, so it's just a situation where he's not really... He would have to be much better to make the team not as bad as it is, and he's just not that type of quarterback. So when you have a subpar quarterback in a subpar situation, um, people are going to want some sort of quarterback change.
3: Yeah. I mean, Keenum's fine. I I mean, he's not good. He's not the worst quarterback, but it's kind of like you said, I think unless you bring in a quarterback that's very talented, they're not going to be able to change what's going on. Uh, in Denver right now. I don't think that the coaching staff or the head coach are really that good. Chad Kelly, I actually did see some performances from him in college where I, I was very impressed. Um, but bringing him into the fold isn't really going to change things.
1: I mean, so here, here's a question. like Philosophically, um, do you think they should play Chad Kelly?
3: Oh, gosh. It, it's tough. I mean, I think if you remove... It's really hard. If you remove the things that they've done recently as an organization, one of them being bringing in Keenum, I think they probably should start him. Just at the very least to see what they have going on, maybe start to develop him. Because it does seem like at this point in his career, there's more potential than what you have with Keenum. You have a pretty good idea of what Keenum is. You're already losing. You're not going to win with him. Maybe you do roll the dice, but I I think we know that's not the way that these organizations work.
1: Yeah. So... How much luck do you think there is in uh, evaluating quarterbacks, like in hitting on a quarterback?
3: I actually think that there's – it's really hard to put into numbers, but I do think that there is luck too that you can't account for because some of it I think might be that you need a quarterback – who the way that they process information, the way that they think, uh, and the way that they make decisions lines up with what the coach is asking them to do. So I definitely think there can be a matter of fit, and they need to get into an offense that's going to allow them to function well. Right? There's just some offenses where it doesn't work. Now, in terms of evaluating the prospect, I think it can be. Pretty tricky. Uh, I, I do think that there's some luck, uh, but there also are a lot of instances, I think, where teams are going after a guy just because he's a quarterback, because he's a body, because they have a need and they're, they're, you know, they're kind of forcing themselves or trying to confirm that they want him to be a good prospect. So they go for it. Uh, whereas I think if you were just kind of sitting back and these teams didn't need the quarterback and they were just evaluating them off of what the player's career might look like they might have a better hit rate if that makes sense
1: so uh i'm trying to to think about the right way of expressing this so i i think regardless of whether it's um luck or skill um i think there is uh as you mentioned like fit is important and um you have to know as like a coach or an organization, if a guy can fit into what you were trying to do. And I think right. in order to get your best um, gauge of that, you have to give him in game experience. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that Keenum is not a fit or like, he's not good enough of a fit to overcome all of the other issues they have. So uh, I don't see the harm in going with Chad Kelly. Because either they find out that he potentially is uh, someone who fits. And I think like we can see pretty quickly if a guy has potential or not. You know what I mean? Um, Maybe a guy never lives up to his full potential. Maybe he doesn't like develop into the guy you thought he would be. But you can at least see that he's someone who uh, warrants significant playing time moving forward, like for the next year or two years, even three years. So you can really see, is this guy a franchise quarterback like Dak, right? He was good enough right away where it makes sense. Even if he's not playing great in year two or year three, it makes sense for the Cowboys to stick with him and commit to him having a lot of time. So, uh, I think they should do that with Chad Kelly, because if they give him playing time, and he looks like someone who could be the future of the team, then they know. And if they give him playing time and he clearly plays like a seventh rounder, then they they know that too. And they don't have to waste their time with him as a developmental prospect for the future.
3: That's a great point. Um, When you have the opportunity to extract information, it definitely makes sense to do it. And especially in a case like this, where in in many respects, there's only upside. So we forgot to do the Monday night challenge last week. I think we're going to forget about doing the contest aspect each week. We'll just quickly talk about the game. You mentioned Giants Falcons earlier. The spread that I am seeing right now at my bookie has the Falcons winning by six and a half with the over under at 54 and a half. Uh, any inclination before you've had much time to think about this game?
1: Uh, I would be on the Falcons. Uh, they're at home, and the the spread actually opened at three and a half, and it got bed up very quickly. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely on the Falcons there. the The one thing that would give me pause is that I mean, like Saquon Barkley is just going to destroy this defense. Um, yeah, they're they're very exploitable. Um, with running backs, especially good pass-catching running backs. So, like, it's kind of perfect for him. But even if Barkley has, like, the game of his career, uh, the Falcons could still win by 10.
3: Yeah, I think I'd probably go on the Falcons and then I actually would take the under uh in this game cuz I think that you'll end up with a little bit slower of a pace than you might uh anticipate. And just with how bad Eli looked uh this past weekend, I I just can't see this game going for the over.
1: Yeah, I would <laughs> I don't, I'll need to look at it more. I would still probably lean to the over, but I I really <laughs> haven't I haven't like crunched the numbers yet. But I like my, my inclination would be like, "Oh, yeah. Falcons at home, pound the over."
3: Matt Friedman, ever the optimist. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, good luck, everybody, this weekend. That's going to do it for today's episode. Once again, I'm Dave Cabin. You can follow me on Twitter at DaveCabinFF. My co-host was Matthew Friedman, who you can follow on Twitter at MattFTheOracle. Remember to shoot us your tough calls of the week. Subscribe uh, to the show and make sure that you at least consider – uh, supporting us on patreon and then actually go ahead and do that uh so thanks again tune in next week and remember it's not a fantasy if you believe it thank you for listening to rodovis radio please rate review and contact us via email at rodovis radio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rodovis radio and support the pod by subscribing to rodovis at a 30 discount through the listener homepage of rodovis.com forward slash podcast